Well, you know, I, I want to challenge you and, and to think about, okay, well, obviously, as nurses, we feel a certain way about the work that we do, right? But but I, I, I just want to peel back the infrastructure of, of how nurses are utilized in our healthcare system, even today, that I think really does affect whether we're viewed as a profession, which we want to be, or we are, or a trade. What's up, everyone in the RNFM Radio family? This is Nurse Keith coming to you. Welcome to RNFM Radio. We couldn't be happier that you've chosen to hang out with us here on The Pulse of Nursing. Thanks for listening. If you're here for the first time or if you've been tuning in for months and years. And as you know, we're members of the Pulse Media Network over at PulseMediaNetwork.com, along with Elizabeth Scala's Your Next Shift podcast, The Nurse Keith Show, The Gluten-Free RN, and the Introvert Biz Growth Podcast with Sarah Santacroce. This is episode 257, and the show notes can be found over at rnfmradio.com forward slash episode 257. On this episode, Ashley, Sean, and I talk all about how the word just is a four-letter word that should essentially be removed from nurses' vocabulary. So think about that. And if you say that you're just a nurse or just a nurse practitioner or even just an LPN or a CNA, you're a nurse, period. We need to own that. And we're going to talk all about that here on episode 257. Well, folks, let's hop over into the studio, get into today's subject, and I'll be back at the end to wrap things up and say goodbye. Be that as it may, how are you, Sean Dent? I'm awesome. How about yourself, Keith? Oh, I'm just well and dandy. And Ms. Ms. Miller, Miss, Mrs. Miller, Ms. Poffett Miller. <laughs> what are you guys <laughs> going to get it right? Mrs. Miller, there how you are go. you? going to take a while. <laughs> I'm fabulous. I feel like I'm, ca- I'm like calling the teacher. Mrs. Miller, may I go use the restroom? I know. It sounds, it sounds so adult. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, folks, folks in the listening audience, Ashley Poffitt is growing up and maturing before your very ears. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just happening in the moment. She has to go through the internet and make sure she changes all of her names. That's right. I don't even I'm know so where to start. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to harp on this for a while because it's really fun. Um, anyway... <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have of, like a coming out party where I'm like it's official. Oh, Everything is switched you over. You know, so I'll invite you guys yeah. if you make the list. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Or if we don't get invited, we'll crash it. So there you go. But you know, speaking of growing up and maturing, our profession has grown up and matured over the centuries. I guess we can say centuries now, right? Because we're we're in We've been around for a long time, and this whole notion of, oh, I'm just a nurse comes up a lot. I've talked about it. Donna Cardillo's talked about it. You all have talked about it. So we're going to talk about it together today because we think it's really important to address this, this way we have of talking about ourselves. So Ashley, what, what have you been thinking about in terms of this whole, I'm just a nurse phenomenon? Well, I definitely think that it's something that you have to grow out of. I think every nurse, especially when they're in the newer phases of their career, 
they they find themselves in situations where a patient will say, oh, can you tell me the results of this x-ray that I had? And then you have to say, well, you know, the doctor will have to discuss it with you. And I think over time, some of the, the quick answer is, oh, I'm just the nurse. I'll have the doctor come see you. You know, in retrospect, though, what it's doing, it's degrading the role, the importance of the role, because the truth is what doctors do is completely unique and what nurses do is completely unique. And the two can never do each other's jobs, but we can't function without each other. And so to hold our profession to a certain standard at this point is what I think most of us would like to accomplish. And um, we're seeing a lot of changes also in the media that have a, a different perspective of nurses as well. So yeah, I just think it's it's a connecting to your identity as a nurse and getting away from this limited role. What do you think, Sean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, one's perception is their reality, whether it's, you know, uh, a patient, uh, a fellow healthcare provider, a doctor, another nurse or a PTOT, take your pick, anybody that you, you cross paths with. Um, we were talking about it off air that I think it was, it might've been an accidental, just reflexive answer when someone mistakes you for another professional and you say, so you're the doctor. And the answer is, oh no, I'm just the nurse. And I don't think any of us in the profession are trying to diminish or lessen our role. I think we maybe just need to pay more attention to how we respond. And we joked about it prior to recording that the answer shouldn't be, I'm just the nurse. The answer should be, I'm the nurse, as in taking pride in saying out loud that I'm the nurse, not whoever you thought I was. Not that we're better or worse than anybody else, but that we take pride in knowing that our role is fairly important the last time I checked. Yeah. Yeah. The last time I checked you <laughs> is pretty important too. And we've become more important and more central because, you know, we've, I've talked about this before and we've mentioned it on the show before with Kevin and Elizabeth and so many other people talk about it too, that we're the backbone and the lifeblood. And you could even say the mitochondria of the healthcare profession. Mm. We're the largest population within the healthcare system. We're the largest part of the workforce. So we must have something to contribute. And if we unpack that back to the bad old days or the good old days, however you look at it, when we started out, when say Florence Nightingale started out in her efforts to professionalize nursing, we were we were the doers of tasks. It was task-based. The doctor said, sponge down that patient or grab me some bandages, you know, and we were gophers, handmaidens, and task-based non-professionals. And that's not what we are anymore, but that's the history where we're coming from. We were we were the servants of, of doctors. So that, I feel like, has been internalized over many years, and it's been this constant battle to, to professionalize the, who nurses are. Mm. Blood, blood. Blood pressure's raising just a little bit. Yeah, I Uh-oh. can see. I can hear that, Sean. Man. Is there steam coming out of I mean, I your know ears? that I, I understand we have to appreciate where we came from in order to yes. uh, have a 
better understanding of where we're going. I, I get that. And I guess, uh, I guess just hearing it said out loud just kind of, just kind of stings a little bit because <gasps> we are so much more than that. You know, we are, we are independent, critically thinking healthcare professionals that provide an amazing intervention and service to our patients in a variety, an endless number of environments. I mean, let's be honest here. We are the, <laughs> we are the entity that sometimes is the difference between life and death for a patient. We're the checks and balance system throughout the entire healthcare system. We're the linchpin. I love calling us the linchpin of the healthcare system because without yeah. us, things will fall apart. That's a guarantee. That's so true. And you know, you live in Pennsylvania, so we could also say we're the keystone. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> Made him laugh, broke the tension. Oh, yeah, man. Sean, you're you're totally right. Lynchpin, mitochondria, lifeblood, um, keystone. It doesn't really matter. But when we look back at the history, we weren't seen that way by our patients or other healthcare providers or professionals or non-professionals. So we've had to professionalize ourselves. So that's where, I mean, Florence Nightingale began the process of professionalization, I think, and it had to continue from there. So, you know, what we were talking about off air was this whole notion that we're so stratified. So many, you say nurse, and that means so many things. And it's confusing even to us, I think. Well, you know, yeah. I, I want to challenge you and, and to think about, okay, well, obviously, as nurses, we feel a certain way about the work that we do, right? But but mm -hmm. I, I I just want to peel back the infrastructure of of how nurses are utilized in our healthcare system even today that I think really does affect whether we're viewed as a profession, which we want to be, or we are, or a trade. And and I challenge you that because if you if you really think about the staffing models of staffing a unit, of staffing a clinic. The difference between a trade and a profession is that a trade is, is wages. Trade makes wages, a profession makes salary. So right now, most nursing staffing models, um, you have a high turnover, um, they're easily replaceable, they're making wages, you know? And so how do you, how do you justify that we're a profession? We also don't bill for our services. And, uh, and the cost of us is still lumped into the cost of um, occupying a bed or housekeeping, all of those things. So how do you justify or even going forward in the future, promote us as a profession in, in ways that are su sustainable? I'm biting my Ouch. lip, Keith. Do you want to answer that <laughs> one? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so I haven't done a lot of research on this, or actually none at all, I have to admit. But so if we come at it from that very binary viewpoint that if it's a trade, we get paid wages. If it's a profession, we get paid a salary. That definitely tips the scales towards that we're actually not a profession. So we can take that binary worldview of the labor force in the world of work, or we can toss that out and look at it from a different place. So when we get bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and doctoral degrees, that changes the 
calculus of the situation, I think. So if you look at practical nurses, not to cast dispersions on practical nurses, they're amazing. And they're the backbone in many ways of many facilities, even though they've been phased out from acute care to some extent. Practical nurses are somewhat task-based because there's certain things they can't do without being supervised by a registered nurse. But they still have many aspects of being professionals because of all of the responsibilities they carry. So I don't really know how to unpack that one because I see even LVNs and LPNs as being professionals. Sean, what do you think? Sean? Excuse me, I have to to wipe the blood from my mouth from biting my (laughs) lips so hard. Dramatic? (laughs) Dramatic, maybe? Wow. We need a picture of that. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Ash. <laughs> I'm just I'm just okay. presenting an argument. So let I... me let me answer the question <clears throat> in in um just definition, just book definition. You're talking about a profession um a trade has the way you're defining a trade versus a profession. So I would argue that we as nurses are not a trade because we require professional continuing and long-term education and training, Mm. meaning that you can't just come off of the street, take the course, and be a nurse. Now, you could also argue that, okay, wait, Sean, because a CNA could do that. But a CNA still has to have formal qualification and training to become a nurse. So that's my first point, is that as a profession – we have to have continuing education as well as prequal education before we can actually practice as a nurse, even if that's not at the bedside and it's non-clinical and you do teaching or if you do, you know, office work. It doesn't matter. In order to hold the label, you have to continue your education throughout your career. Trade work is a little different, so... And I'm I'm like Keith. I didn't do my research. I didn't do my homework. I'm going strictly off of the cuff here. Second point is is you talk about pay scales and you know hourly versus salary. I would argue that that's split down the middle 50-50 because half of the nurses I know are paid salary instead of hourly. You have to think about leadership roles and advanced practice roles when it comes to master's degrees, nurse practitioners, DNPs, PhDs, all of the educators. Those are not uh, hourly wages. Those are salaried positions. And your point of we don't bill for services. As a nurse practitioner, I have the ability to bill for services, but I personally don't bill for services because of the way that Medicare and Medicaid is set up. You know, depending on what um, environment you work in, you know, the, I worked in another profession a long time ago. I was a certified athletic trainer for a decade and I couldn't bill for services either, but that didn't mean I wasn't a profession. So just going by pure deaf book, de- you know, textbook definitions that you're talking about, I would have to disagree with you. Um, that we are definitely a profession and not a trade. So, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, (laughs) no, I'm glad that you went there because obviously I agree with you. You know, I don't think that we're a trade, but if you think about it, 
if we were to offer every bedside nurse, say, you know, do you want a salary? Most of them are going to say no because they can make more money, more money doing wages and getting overtime pay. And that model has worked for us for a long time. The trade-off, though, is that in order to really see much progress as far as um, the definition between the two is we would have to see some major changes in reimbursement models. And I also I want to give a credit, some credit out to uh, Donna Cardillo because the work that she's doing is is really important. She went on to the show The Doctors and she got up in front of a national audience and basically said, this is what nurses are doing. This is why we need to be taken seriously. And she said, you know, if you're a patient and you're considering going to a hospital, you should do your research and look to see what the the staffing ratios are, because if the the lower the patient to I'm sorry, the um, patient to nurse ratios, because the lower those ratios, the better care you're going to get and use that as a way of competing with other institutions. And so her outreaching into the media like that was so important for a national audience to hear because it's just one more gesture into establishing us as a profession moving forward. I like I said, obviously, if you're a nurse, I, we all view ourselves as professionals. But from the perspective of um, the outside world looking into what we do, it's not so clear. And I and that's why I dug deep there to say, well, why why do you think that is? Why do you think that we're holding ourselves back? What could it be? And that was one thing that I found the difference between a trade and a profession. So. Yeah. Be- before I forget my thought, I think mm. Keith could probably um, expand on this one more than I can. But in my own experience, we're still talking about salaried versus hourly. Yeah, there are a lot of nurses out there that um, actually would want salaried as long as there are stipulations in the contract that state, you know, what they what is the maximum and minimum amount of hours. Um, I found out through, you know, just practice that there were only so many overtime hours I could get before taxes just liquidated the extra money that I earned, you know, and we, I've had that conversation with a couple of my coworkers throughout my years that there's a tipping point that you find when you do your, um, overtime, you know, and everybody has a different number depending on your pay scale, your taxes and geographical location. But I would love to hear maybe in a separate episode, we could talk about the difference in, you know, what's good and what's bad with each one because you know i think there's benefits to each one so yeah there are benefits to each of those and it's a very individual decision well it's also a decision based on where you're working and the facility that's hired you where where you're providing your services and i want to bring the conversation over to this whole notion of that we were not considered professionals for a very long time And then we were lumped into what some people would consider blue collar. Nursing was considered blue collar. And then somebody somewhere along the line had the ridiculous idea of labeling nursing and teaching as pink collar because it was generally a female profession or female service that was provided by mostly women. So we had this pink collar designation for a while, which is absolutely ridiculous. And now, what are we? You know, what are we considered? And does it even matter? But 
it actually, I think it does matter because it's how we view ourselves. And I've mentioned this in the past on in different venues, and I'll say it again, that I think on some level, there's some internalized oppression, to use sort of a feminist term from probably, I guess that would be second wave feminist theory or third wave, that that internalized oppression has caused this largely female profession to diminish itself in the eyes of itself and others. And it's even an unconscious thing that many nurses practice. Oh, I'm just a nurse. And on some levels, are we subconsciously abdicating our responsibility? Oh, I can't tell you what that x-ray said because I'm just the nurse. Or are we actually, is there some fear there, some some internalized fear of, of being empowered? So anyway, just wanted to throw a little wrench in the works there. I think at the end of the day, it's it's your your personal perception of your abilities and your capabilities. I think Ashley makes an awesome point that, you know, patient asks about a specific result on a specific exam, and it's not within our scope of practice to um, diagnose. Now, let me rephrase that. It's not within a registered nurse's scope of practice to diagnose. Um, sorry. NP talking. <laughs> um, um, That's all right. But is it is perfectly within your scope of practice to ask the patient, is it okay if I read you the results? I can't interpret the results for you. The physician has to do that. Mm-hmm. It is perfectly within your scope of practice to do that. So like you get a CT scan of something, and if, if the, the read has come back, you as the registered nurse are allowed to read that to them. Mm-hmm. They're going to follow up with a bazillion questions, and that's where you have to stop them and say, if you have further questions, then um, we have to direct that to the physician or the provider because I'm not allowed to interpret the results. There you go. It's not saying, we'll have to refer this to the provider because I'm just a nurse. Mm-mm. You just say, it's not within my scope of practice to yeah. to right. interpret this for you. Right. And in, right. In but I can ask, answer some of your yeah, questions. Correct. Right. Correct. And it, it'll alleviate a lot of stress for the patient if they can just at least hear the words of the read. Now, you know, th- then we can start talking about how soon that comes back and all kinds of other stuff. But um, I love Ashley's point is that we reflexively will say, well, I'm just the nurse. No, you're not just a nurse. You are the nurse and mm-hmm. you have mm, the amen. education and training to communicate these, this information to your patient. And then it's going to be your responsibility as the nurse to pass that on to the, to the physician or provider NP, NP, or the mm-hmm. NP who's taking care of that patient and say, listen, I gave the patient the results. They have some questions. And right. that actually helps the physician a lot. It does. It preps the whole conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sets it up. Well, you know, so. guys, it, it sounds like there's a lot more to discuss on this topic. And I want to, you know, give a call out to the listeners right now and to head over on over to our Facebook page. Let's talk about this. There's so much involved with the idea of being just a nurse, quote unquote. And so, you know, we, we touched up on your personal identity of your role in your work. We also touched up on, you know, operational costs and reimbursement models and how those are affecting how people view us. And, um, you know, I just want to give a shout out to all of the, the, the figures in history, the people that advocated for us as a profession, 
that advocated for standardized nursing education um, to make sure that, you know, we spoke as one and, and as well as all of the professional associations that represent us as a profession. And so the work that that this you know nursing has done in the past, you can see the difference now. I mean, just to say, Sean, that you're a nurse practitioner, that you can diagnose, that mm-hmm. you can prescribe. I mean, think about how awesome, what, is, how that? awesome is that, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, I would call to action as well that if you have ever said that to yourself, I'm just a nurse, the first thing that you can do is go back, even though it's probably some boring reading, I really encourage you to go back and look at the scope of practice because it is so vast and it is so inclusive and it might help you get away from that immediate reflexive, you know, response. So mm. yeah. Very well said. Yes. That's that's mic drop and mic hashtag mic drop. That's right. That's right. So that's the call to action is to catch yourself and think about why am I saying that? Like what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and um is it is this really necessary? And when one of your colleagues says something like that, what do you do? What do you say? How do you call them out in a gentle way and say, you know what? You're more than just, you know, a nurse. Please. I like how you slid the word gentle in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Sean doesn't know my. that word. He doesn't even know what that means. Nope. I'm a little <laughs> abrasive. We already, we've already talked about that. So. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Great right. conversation. Guess what time great it is, guys. Guess what time uh, it is. No. Let me see. It's um, time to go. <laughs> time for a drink. It's five o'clock somewhere. Nope. It's time for Stump Sean. Oh, yeah. okay. Are you ready for this, Sean? Probably not. This is. <laughs> Okay, drum roll, please. This is Nursing 101. That's why I'm scared. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I do get nervous about Nursing 101 topics as well. I'm not going to lie. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, Sean, what is the most essential step in hand washing to effectively eliminate harmful microbes from the skin? Mm. One, antibacterial soap. Two, warm water. Three, hospital-grade disinfectant soap. Or four, friction. You know, I'm, Ooh, I'm reading, me, I'm reading these answers and I'm <laughs> having nightmares about taking the NCLEX and taking my, my certification exam because I do not know the answer to this. What? So I'm trying to do my whole test-taking strategies and eliminating the ones that probably aren't a good answer and it's really bad because I'm going to completely guess on this, but um, the way I'm viewing it is of the four answers that I have to pick from, uh, which one is the most harmful if not done? And, you know, you don't always have antibacterial soap. You could just have the, you know, the the dry or the the waterless stuff. Um, You don't always have warm water. You don't always have the hospital-grade disinfectant soap, but if you don't actually rub your hands together, I think that's the most important I, part. I hear so. you rubbing your hands. I hear I, you rubbing <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it, too. I'm doing it, too. That's funny. Let's all do it right now. Everybody, rub your hands. So the way I'm looking at it is, is that if you give me the antibacterial soap or you give me the hospital-grade disinfectant or give me the warm water, I just put my hands out there and do nothing that it's not going to help me. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with friction. Ah, I didn't. You're right. I didn't stump you this time. Good. Holy crap. I got that right. You got it. Yep. You know, I think that the way that. Beads of sweat. The way that you broke that down was excellent critical thinking. Got to say. Yes. Um, That's that's taking 101. You know, it's funny (laughs) because in home care, I definitely teach a lot of patients. They don't have good soap in their house. And so I'll always, you know, even if you go into a public bathroom and there's no soap, which that was usually the case in Japan, which was kind of interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just rubbing your hands under warm water is the best way to get the the germs off. Um, quick little side question. Do you know what the, the dirtiest part of the hand is that usually doesn't get fully cleaned? Um, it's the uh, dorsal part of the thumb. Like in between? Like the back side of your hand, in between your <laughs> index top. and thumb, right here in that wedge area, yeah, as well yeah. as the top side of your thumb. There you go. Okay. We didn't stump them this time. Oh, I know that one because wow. I actually, I, it, we actually at my place of work, we did the um, the the glow in the dark test. You ever guys ever done? Yeah, that? yeah. So you get you spray this glow in the dark stuff on your hands, and then you have to then you go wash your hands like you're supposed to. You know, row 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 your boat, do that all that <laughs> kind of stuff, and then you put your hands into a dark room under a black light, and you look to uh. see if you have anything left. And every single person had some semblance of the of the globe on the back of their thumb in between the wedge of their index finger and thumb because if you think oh. about it you, you if you just rub your hands together now you know you do it accidentally but you 90 percent of the time you don't go on top of your thumb mm. it's weird Ooh, those thumbs are dirty yeah. well you know what <laughs> i have a <laughs> I have a quick stump, Sean, just because we were talking about oh, the professionalization of nurses. My brain hurts. That's okay. Sean, here's okay. a quick one, because we were talking about LPNs, LVNs, BSNs, DNPs. So here we go. In which two states of the 50 United States are LPNs called LVNs? We had... Oh. I wish I had this. I've, I feel like... I've had this question before. Um, I know the one state is California. It's gotta be. I'm very confident in that one because mm-hmm. I know California nurses. So um, mm-hmm. the the second state I do not know. I I, I would be completely guessing again. <gasps> Texas. So I do not yeah. know. <gasps> yep. Is it? Oh, is it really? <laughs> Texas. I was just trying to think of a really big state where that would. All right. So so now I have to ask the question. Does anybody know why? Nope. Oh. <laughs> I don't. Fail. Hashtag fail. Nope. Can so- nope. You know what? Can someone who's listening, can Maybe. you can you comment yeah. on our Facebook page about this? We need to know. Yeah, let us know. Why, why? this is yes. the case. I'm going to tag. I'm going to tag someone, a friend of mine. Someone who, out there um, knows. Who listens. I know her. Inquiring know her. minds a, want to know. She was a longtime LVN and just literally became an RN, took her boards and passed. I'm going to ask her. So Go for it. Go yeah. for it. And, so. you know- since we've had so much fun doing three stump shans and having a deep conversation about this whole you're never just a nurse professionalization thing, we're not going to do a Keith's career corner today because I feel like we've already talked about the career corner. And from my perspective, the career corner thing is don't just call yourself, don't call yourself just a nurse. Consider who you are and value yourself enough to be able to say, I am the nurse. Pound and on that your is chest while you're doing it too. Pound on your chest while you're doing it. And that's one of the most important things you can do for your self-empowerment in your career. So there's the career corner. Bam. 
Bam. Boom. As of today, officially, that term no longer exists. It's a just- Mic drop. <laughs> You know what? Um, we're gonna post it. We're gonna post a link to uh, Donna Cardello's website because she wrote a really yes, great will. article about just a nurse, and I really encourage all the listeners to to take a look at that. It's so good, and it definitely sums up the whole argument very clearly, reflectively. So, yeah, nice, nice work. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna let our esteemed listeners go, and I'm gonna say that I am at Nurse Keith out there on the interwebs or at Nurse Keith Coaching. And you can find me at NurseKeith.com. You can always find me on my website, SeanDent.com, and most social media accounts at Sean P. Dent. Mm -hmm. And you can can find me at Ashley Nurse by Heart. And uh, instead of directing listeners to my page specifically, I really would like everyone listening today at some point in the next week to go onto their uh, state nursing association website and read their scope of practice. There you go. Sweet. All right. We are out. Peace. Bye. Well, hello everyone. Nurse Keith here to wrap things up here on episode 257 of RNFM radio. I hope you found that conversation enlightening. We definitely enjoyed recording it. And remember You're never just a nurse. You're a tried and true nursing professional who has skills and knowledge and expertise and experience, and all of that is meaningful and important. It's important to you, your patients, your colleagues, the facility where you work, the town, the city where you live, to the country and the world as a whole. So remember that and walk with your head held high as a nursing and healthcare professional. If you'd be so kind, please consider leaving us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. You can find us also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RNFM Radio. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and any app that you use to access podcasts. RNFM Radio is edited and produced by the production team over at Pulse Media Network. Our executive producer is none other than the inimitable Mr. Kevin Ross, who could very well be considered our benevolent overlord. Kevin is awesome. He is behind us 100%. And he misses you, folks. Additional thanks to the rest of the family over at Pulse Media Network and PulseMediaNetwork.com. Just a reminder... The RNFM Radio and Pulse Media team will be at the National Nurses in Business Association Conference, the 2017 gathering down in St. Pete's Beach, Florida. We will be there offering a pre-conference workshop on the power of podcasting. I'll be speaking on stage. Sean Dent will be on the main stage. We're going to have an awesome time, so please consider joining us in St. Pete's Beach at the NNBA. And remember, a new episode of RNFM Radio drops in the wee hours of the morning on the first and third Wednesday of every month. And we now offer a Facebook Live event at 8 p.m. Eastern on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. Check us out on Facebook Live. We will be there. Please be there with us. Well, folks, again, hit us up on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podcast Addict, wherever you find your podcasts. We want you to be well. 
dig deep in your lives and careers and keep coming back for more until you achieve your goals. We'll see you next time right here on The Pulse of Nursing on RNFM Radio.